0: today we move ahead to Revelation chapter 18. Uh, We're still in this next to last section in Revelation. In the previous chapter, chapter 17, focus was given to Satan's efforts to lure people away from the Lord. They're uh, called the great prostitute. It was given the name Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations, Revelation 17.5. This prostitute present in every age and in every culture, continually holds out the world's goods and pleasures that people might be satisfied with them and thus feel no need nor any desire whatsoever for the Lord. The prostitute and all who have loved the world and the things of the world will be judged fully and finally in the next chapter, chapter 19, where we read of the return of Christ. But here in chapter 18, that judgment is foretold With such certainty, it's as if it has already happened. So let's take a a look at a few things we find here. Um, First, don't be deceived. While the chapter opens with an angel calling out, uh, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, verse 2, giving the appearance that this is an account of the final judgment now come. This is actually a foretelling of that final event that will come in its fullness in the next chapter with the return of Christ. Uh, The final event is so certain, though, to come, that the chapter presents it here in the past tense as if it has already happened. And it's clear that this is the case when in verse 4 the church is given the exhortation, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. See, if this was actually the final event... There would be no opportunity to come out, but here this exhortation, saying, "Come out of her, my people, lest you take it." It's a you see that this is a foretelling. It's a foretelling of that coming judgment, with with great certainty uh, that 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 it is coming. This judgment, but it's it's time now to give the church and all those who wish to flee that uh, an incentive to repent and turn to the Lord. Such an incentive is necessary because the power of the prostitute. Is, is, is strong to deceive. Verse 3 talks about those who have become drunk on what she offers and the power of her luxurious living. We recall a, a biblical example of this. I mentioned it yesterday in the podcast of Demas, who at one time was a missionary companion of Paul, but who had deserted him because he had, Demas had fallen in love with this present world. Second Timothy 4.10 the attraction of the world can be so strong, so strong, in fact, as to cause us to love it more than the Lord. John said in one of his earlier letters in 1 John 2:15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can get so caught up in the comforts and allurements of the world that we forget about the Lord altogether. This chapter is given to us as a reminder not to be deceived, by the world and what it offers. Don't let it drag your heart away from the Lord. Those who seek their joy and their comfort in the things of the world and pin their hopes on the appearance of certainty that this world offers and safety and security will be bitterly disappointed and ashamed when the judgment of the Lord comes. Secondly, God remembers. There's a statement worth noting in verse 5. There it says of the ungodly, it says in verse 5, her sins are heaped as high as heaven and God had, has remembered her iniquities. That's a great reminder about a tendency we have about our own sin. We have a tendency to forget about it and assume that if we've forgotten about it, then the Lord has as well. The Bible famously says in Numbers thirty-two twenty-three, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Jesus said in Matthew 12:36 that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Do you remember every careless word that you've spoken? I don't. I don't remember every careless word I've spoken. I don't remember every sin that I've sinned. But God does. He remembers. For those who have found refuge in Christ, whose who's standing before God has been earned, by his sinless life and his righteous life and whose forgiveness of their sins has been assured by the shedding of his blood and resurrection, it is not to be feared that God remembers all our sins. If Jesus has fully paid for all my sins, then God the Father certainly also remembers that he has borne them so that I don't have to. But for those who trust in their own goodness and see no need for Christ, it is a frightening thing to know that God remembers every sin uh, and every careless word that they've ever done or said, whether they themselves remember it or not. And finally, the judgment of God will be swift, exact, and final. The prophets of the Old Testament did not only uh, foretold the Lord's first coming, but also the events surrounding his second coming. Isaiah says, for example, in Isaiah 40:10. Behold, the Lord comes with his might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. When he came the first time, he brought no recompense with him. He came meek and mild and let godless men nail him to a cross. When he comes again, however... Just as Isaiah prophesied, his recompense will be before him. And this chapter tells us three noteworthy characteristics of this recompense. It will be swift, it will be exact, and it will be final. Let's see quickly how these things are described. First of all, we see a similar phrase repeated in this chapter indicating um, the swiftness of his judgment. Verse verse 6 says, the plagues will come in a single day. Verse 10 says of Babylon, In a single hour your judgment has come. Verse 17 says, For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. It will happen as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus says in Mark 13, 35-37, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So his judgment, first of all, will be swift. But his judgment will also be exact. There's a potentially puzzling phrase found in verse 6 of this chapter. In that verse, we read the command in verse 6 to repay her double for her deeds and mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. Does that mean that God is going to punish the ungodly twice what they deserve? Double what they deserve? That would be seemingly unjust, but that's not what is being said here. Double here is used in the sense of being the just counterpart to what they have done. For that reason, the very next verse clarifies it by saying, As she has glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Verse 7. The Lord's judgment is exact as it is swift. But finally, the Lord's judgment is final. You get that sense as you read these verses uh, closing the chapter. As the, the foretold events are pictured coming down six times, six times we read the phrase, no more. Babylon will be found no more. Music will be heard uh, in, in that city no more. Craftsmen will build things in that city no more. Industry in that city will be no more. light on this in this world will be no more. and the daily happenings of life exemplified by new marriages will be no more. Those are verses 21 to 23. His judgment is final. It is exact and it is swift. Thank God that we have a refuge from this terrible judgment in a merciful and mighty Savior. And those are just a few thoughts from Revelation chapter 18.